Hello, everybody. It is Marvel A. Rex here. It's the world of Rex. I took out the intro, as you can tell. Just listen to previous episodes, and you can hear my lovely intro. For now, we're going to keep it short, sweet, simple. I am a Renaissance person. I do many, many things. One thing I love to talk about is astrology. I love astrology. I love occult sciences of every kind, human design, Jewish mysticism, you name it. I'm into it especially if it has been obscured by the patriarchy. This is a bonus episode today. It's something new that I'm trying. We've got some massive Uranus energy. And for everyone in the know with Uranus, it's about experimentation, trying new things. So I'm doing a little bonus episode, mostly to look at the astrology of Roe v. Wade for all the astro geeks out there. And to offer a little bit of my perspective as we head into the summer for the United States. It's going to be winter in the Southern Hemisphere. But it's a time of, you know, assessing our ground. Spring and fall are times of the year where, like, things are moving. Things are, you know, moving into the next phase of whatever. There's always transitional moments with these seasons. Lots of things are happening. Summer is this time. We've got such a huge emphasis on relaxing, seeing family. You know, family may not be relaxing, but you're supposed to be, like, at least trying to be relaxed. So with that in mind, there is a lot of time to ponder and take note and think about what went down. And right now we have eclipse season happening in spring and fall. And that's not the case every year. But in 2022, our springtime and our fall time, and even in 2023, our springtime and our fall time are going to be really, really hot points where a lot of things are happening. A lot of things are going down the pipe each and every one of us in our personal lives, and then collectively there will just be big decisions being made. So we just saw Roe v. Wade. That was overturned after 50 years, right after the Scorpio-Taurus first eclipse cycle with both of them featured between April 30th and May 15th. Those were the two big eclipses, which for those who know little about astrology, they're just like supercharged full and new moons. And they always have to do with like very karmic and very faded f-a-t-e-d events they're happening in our personal lives and our you know tribal situations in our community as well as collectively on all three levels so i think it's helpful to talk about this i want to say something about the astrology it doesn't make any of this better per se you know i'm i really hesitate to be like oh let's explain this away with astrology that's not what i'm trying to do here not interested in that the thing that i am interested in is feeling the emotions and the pain and the sadness and honoring all of that. And also, because I'm a man of the future, I like to understand what is the larger cycle happening here from an occult astrological perspective, from an ancient wisdom perspective, truly. And when you have eclipses, you understand, okay, the things that are happening during these periods of time are collectively destined. So they are supposed to be happening. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it great or fun or enjoyable, but it is part of a larger cycle. So I like to think about these moments and whatever happens during these moments as parts of a play. We just saw Act 1 between April 30th and May 15th of 2022. We will see Act 2 a little bit. We'll get sprinkles of it over the summer, and I can give some dates there, especially during Leo season, which will be uh, late July, early August. But then Act 2 is... October, late October to all of November, basically. So 
we can absolutely expect many things. There is the midterm elections in the United States happening. There will be definitely some big things happening with Roe v. Wade again during that period of time. Okay. Now that's one cycle is the Taurus Scorpio eclipse cycle that's happening all the way until October of 2023. There are eclipses in either Taurus or Scorpio all the way until October of 2023. This is important to understand. Why, you ask? Marvel, why? Well, Scorpio rules the genitals. Okay. Scorpio rules literally, I talked about this in the first episode, please go and listen to that. It's very helpful to understand what's what's going on even with Roe v. Wade. Taurus rules the genitals. It rules the reproductive organs. It rules literally ejaculation, any kind of ejaculation, any kind of orgasm. I mean, this is all Scorpio. Scorpio is like one of the most quote unquote taboo parts of the chart astrologically because it rules like any kind of release from that lower part of the body which are you know puritanical patriarchal society which wants to hyper control sexuality but also like hyper exploit sexuality really wants to control there's such a deep and scorpio is notoriously the sign that loves to control in and of itself so there's no surprise right it's all interrelated in a beautiful symphonic kind of way now when we have eclipses in scorpio and taurus we're going to have big choice points and big destined karmic choice points that function around an axis of purity versus impurity, right? Now, these are ideas, right? We all have different ideas of what is pure and what is impure. And it's a dangerous road. It's a tense road. Now, there's an idea right now around what are pure forms of sexuality? What are pure forms of relating? What are pure forms of life, right? And the impure is what is, you know, obviously being fought against by a lot of the massive uh, contingent of Christians who live, fundamentalist Christians who live in the United States, who also happen to be on the court. I'm also including Catholics in the term fundamentalist Christian. So you have this South Node is taking away. You have South Node in Scorpio. So there is a taking away of literally genital autonomy, right? The, the right to choose what to do with your genitals, like all of the things that can be considered quote unquote taboo are they're trying to remove them. They're trying to remove anything that is considered impure or taboo. That's the Scorpio. Taurus on the other side with the North Node being there because the North Node and South Node are always oppositional to each other. They're points that are opposite from each other. They're on like a pendulum. The North Node is in Taurus saying, this is what is pure. This is pure sexuality. This is pure life, right? Now, not saying, not saying I agree with any of that, but that's the energy that's happening. Taurus has a, a, an inclination towards the conservative. It is also, though, ruled by Venus, which is a sign that is obsessed with women. Like, it's, it's very much about women. And so there's a tension here. And I looked at the... Uh, what's called the event chart of Roe v. Wade in 1973, and I have some things that I want to share about that. But overall, we need to understand that there is going to be a tug of war between the Taurus and Scorpio aspects of the collective, which would be reproductive rights, gay marriage, uh, anything to do with sexualities that are outside of a conservative Taurian understanding of sexuality. And I mean that not by Tauruses being conservative themselves. That's too simplistic or too too broad, rather. On a collective level, though, the archetype of Taurus is to be more conservative and have an idea of purity around something, the thing that is pure. 
the thing that is easy, the thing that is simple and uh, not unchanging, fixed. That's happening archetypally right now. There's this drive to find like a pureness in that space. And Scorpio on the other side of it, like the exact opposite side says, yeah, but sexuality is really complicated and there's dark and shadowy parts of sexuality and there's pain and horror and rage within sexuality and you know sexuality is often a painful experience you know in so many ways so scorpio holds the archetypal heaviness of all of that which is why i have like tons of respect for scorpio suns and scorpio risings in this lifetime and scorpio moons because to be placed with that as your archetype the scorpion is to really say i take it all i hold all of the darkness i hold all of the taboo and with the south node there Scorpios in their personal lives are getting stripped away. And then on the collective stage with the U.S., we're getting Roe v. Wade taken away, stripped away. Now, I'm going to say some things here. This is a blessing. I know that that's not going to land with people. (laughs) It's not going to land with a lot of people. But this moment is a blessing. There was an article in the New York Times or I think in the New Yorker, actually, that said, you know, there's no going back. We're not going back to... A Roe v. Wade, like there's only going forward. And that is a blessing. Why is that a blessing? Because where we are going is far more expansive and enlightened than even Roe v. Wade. Taking a look at the Roe v. Wade event chart, which is kind of like a birth chart for an event. So you just want to think about it like the U.S. Sibley chart, which I've talked about, is a chart for the U.S. in 1776. The founding fathers uh, got a guy, an astrologer named Sibley. And Sibley did his thing and made a chart for the United States. So it's like a person. It's like Beyonce. Beyonce has her birth chart. The U.S. has its birth chart. Roe v. Wade has its birth chart. Okay. Now, taking a look at Roe v. Wade, the interesting thing about the 17, uh, the, sorry, the 1973 date, this was January 22nd when it was passed in Washington, D.C. at 10 a.m., The interesting thing about this chart, if I was to read it like I was reading a person's chart, like a client's chart, I would be like, ooh, okay. So first off, you're famous. Um, (laughs) Sorry, it falls on a world point. I just can't help myself. World point, anything that falls on a world point equals fame, equals some sort of notoriety, right? So a famous event happening with the sun in Aquarius, which is like literally for the people. I call it, I always call Aquarius like Bernie Sanders energy. It's like, give it for the people. It's for the people. You have Mercury at the end degrees of Capricorn. We're going to talk about this because this is the hot point. But basically the entire chart revolves around Saturn. It is also a Pisces rising chart at the final degree of Pisces, which is just absolutely bonkers. The reason it's bonkers, and I actually know an amazing astrologer who also is born with a 29 degree Pisces sun. And when you're born at the final day of Pisces, or if you exist at the final day, the 29th degree of Pisces, Pisces is the sign of self undoing. It literally exists in between worlds. The final degree of any sign is basically the most concentrated version of that archetype. It is like the most Pisces of Pisces. Roe v. Wade is a 29 degrees Pisces for its ascendant which basically means that it cannot make up its mind. It is an event in 1973 where there was some lack of clarity. There was an archetypal archetypal lack of clarity. Now, the other part of this chart I mentioned earlier is that Saturn is the basically the king of this chart. He runs the chart. Saturn is the big bad daddy with this chart. Every single planet makes, uh, most of the planets make an aspect to him. Pretty strong aspect. 
he's retrograde in this chart. So what does that mean? When you have a Saturn retrograde in a chart, it basically usually means that a person is going to be trying many different modes of working in their life. When it happens for an event, especially a law, which this is an event chart for a law, when Saturn is retrograde and making this many aspects to big personal planets, it usually means that there's going to be a redo. There's going to be a redo and Saturn rules law, like literally. So a redo with the law. And then on top of it, the, the, the last thing I would say is that Neptune, two things I would say, Neptune in late degrees of Pisces right now in 2022 is opposite the moon of Roe v. Wade, which is in late degrees Virgo. The moon rules women and mothers. When Neptune is opposite the moon, it creates a fog. It creates something that it's like you can't reach the spot or there's sirens or you think you're going to get like the salvation and you don't. So there is this like fog of unknowingness that is permeating this chart right now and having an effect on women today and, and anyone with a uterus today. So there is, I just want to mention and even say and point out that there is fog in implicit in the transit of this chart. So if this was, if I was reading for a person, I would say, yeah, you're going to be really, really confused for, you know, another two years around what your life purposes, who you are in relationship to other people. So this law is literally in confusion right now and doesn't quite know where it fits in regards to the people. So that's, of course, makes sense. The last thing I'll say is that Mercury is at the final degrees of Capricorn. We know if we've been thinking about the U.S. Pluto return, it's that Pluto is returning to the same spot in the sky that the U.S. Pluto is. This happens every 248 to 250 years in any given country, right? Humans don't make it this long. We don't live that long. So none of us ever have a Pluto return. <laughs> you know, we're not there yet. We're not Silicon Valleyed up yet like that. But countries do have Pluto returns. The U.K. has had many. The uh, Iberian Peninsula has had many. China has had many. India's had many. The U.S. The U.S. has never had a Pluto return until now. On February 22nd, 2022, you got that right, 2-2-2-2-0-2-2, the U.S. had its first uh, explicit contact with a Pluto return, which means that the transiting Pluto in the sky met the exact point where the U.S.'s Pluto sat in 1776 when the country was founded. That is exactly where Roe v. Wade's Mercury is. So these all, the, all these things connect. You might just be like, dude, this guy's bananas and he's just creating all these crazy connections to like emotionally process situation. Could be true, but also this is very interesting. It's a very interesting science and I don't care if it's not popular. So Mercury is at this literal final degrees of Capricorn where Pluto is stationed right now in the sky, moving retrograde and the US's Pluto is there with the Pluto return. This is where I want to kind of segue in. Oh, the thing I should mention before I segue into the Pluto return is that Mercury as a planet rules the signing of laws. So Mercury is the literally the planet that's like contracts. Contracts revolve around Mercury. He is the contract guy. He has to come in in some way to make a contract happen. So the fact that Pluto is basically smashing him right now on top of the U.S.'s Pluto return and is moving backwards over Mercury is saying, 
up. I'm taking. I'm Pluto can take anything away. He's the lord of the underworld. So he he has literally. I think of the planets as as gods. So Pluto has come to Mercury and said, "I'm going to take back that contract that you signed in in 1973. I'm going to take it back." And Mercury, because Mercury is a savvy, two sided, two faced guy. Mercury on wings, right? Hermes. He's like, "Oh yeah, cool, Hades. I'm not going to get in your way. No problem." Mercury's not going to get in Hades' way. No one gets in Pluto's way, okay? Now, the reason I'm saying this is not to be like, oh, great, okay, what's the point? Happy times. Like, we it got, we know that it got overturned, Marble. Pluto's moving retrograde, so he's pulling something away from Mercury. Pluto's going to move forward. By the end of this year, Pluto will station direct and move forward. By 2023, Pluto moves into Aquarius. Now, what I mentioned earlier was that Roe v. Wade was signed into law when the sun was in early degrees Aquarius. The tension between Capricorn and Aquarius is palpable. Capricorn is the old guard. It's a little bit like Taurus. It's conservative. It's an earth sign. It doesn't really want things to be questioned once it has been established. Capricorn's like, look, here's the hierarchy. This is how it works. And <laughs> that's the way it's going to be, right? Now that I'm generalizing, but that's the like general collective archetype of Capricorn is like rules, government systems, systems that have been proven. We don't really need to innovate. Now, of course, the way that the wheel is set up is that every following sign always is in deep dialogue with the sign that is prior to it. So Aquarius says, well, okay, like I can understand the systems that Capricorn's put into place, but let's innovate within them. Let's let's work within them and make them even wilder and, and more expansive and more free and more for the people and just like tapping into everyone's inner genius. So there's definitely more of a social slash socialist quality to Aquarius. But Aquarius also can be like, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of Aquarius activation during Hitler's uh, Nazi regime. It regimes also fall under Aquarius precisely because Aquarius is like, let's do it for the people. But you never know the aims. Humans are like, we're not emotionally mature enough as a species to have like <laughs> always humanitarian aims. And, and Hitler probably thought he did have a humanitarian aim. You know, it's like the delusion is intense, right? We're very, very complicated and messy. But all's to say is that Aquarius is about freedom. Now, an idea of freedom that is only about you, but it can also be Bernie Sanders energy, freedom that is about a lot of people. So I love Pluto moving into Aquarius. He doesn't fully move into Aquarius for good until 2025. So that's something to just land in your ears for a moment. We are in a process that does not really change on a deep, deep, profound level in an expansive, liberating and profound level until 2025. Now I'm reading for you the optimistic. I'm a very optimistic guy. I have an Aquarius stellium. I believe in the future. I believe in an in a liberated society, in a society where people are emotionally accountable to themselves first so that they can then be like amazing citizens of their community. People who are like putting freedom and, and uh, a personal autonomy at the forefront and honoring that in a very like radical way that isn't about like fear or like whatever bullshit. I mean, this is outside of capitalism. It is through capitalism. It's not going to happen in capitalism. So I'm reading the like just really like loving heart centered future. Now the opposite side, as I alluded to with Hitler's Nazi regime is that they're the other side of all of this ingress by 2025 into Aquarius is totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and like hyper surveillance culture. 
So I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I'm just going to say that there is also all of that layered into this. Right. And I know that we're not necessarily going back to a Roe v. Wade because there's no way we can go back to a Roe v. Wade precisely because technology Aquarius is so much different than it was in 1973. We have massive surveillance culture right now. Like just the technology for surveillance is insane with our phones. And we are living through the U.S.'s Pluto return, which really doesn't finalize until safely 2027, but definitely 2025. So 2025 is a big marker for me as an astrologer and an overall like occultist. I'm just like 2025 is really big. 2027 is another really big year for a different reason. But 2025 is big because it is a like a lightning of the Pluto return. The Pluto return is going to start fizzling. There will be like, uh, we will really see what the hell is going down by 2025. And also the Roe v. Wade stuff, which I think it'll actually get solved earlier than 2025. But by 2025, they'll be seeing, we'll be seeing themes within that theme that are also being worked out in a way. Because it's Aquarius, I deeply, deeply, deeply hope for the most expansive form of Aquarius, which is personal autonomy within a collective the singular within the plural, the celebration of the singular within the plural being like, yes, you get to choose for you. And we also want you at our table. That is like the highest vibration of Aquarius. And we have Pluto moving there and it's really going to teach the U S a lesson. The thing I, I forgot to mention at the top because I'm going off the cuff. I have no notes for this bonus episode is that a U.S. Pluto return or a Pluto return for any country inevitably and ineffably and immeasurably transforms the country. Pluto is the one planet astrologically and archetypally that takes everything away and brings something new. The thing that people forget with Pluto, you know, every time he comes up, everyone's like, ooh, good luck, good luck, underworld, Hades, like everything gets stripped away. But the other side of Pluto is full and total transformation. In physics, energy is not lost, it is transformed. So as a country, we're not losing Roe v. Wade. That's why I'm like, this is a blessing. But things are getting stripped away for a total and utter transformation of this country. And this is far more profound than even my words can lend itself to, right? Like, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot state how deep this transformation is. It's so, so, so deep. The U.S. is a cancer country. It was born in July, right? July 4th. It, the country itself is a cancer. Now, all the cardinal signs, including cancer, are signs that are here to initiate and be the first. Cancer likes to be the first with what is its ruler, which is the moon. The moon symbolizes the people in mundane astrology. So the U.S. likes to be first with what its people are doing. You know, Hollywood, uh, <laughs> capitalism, like tech. The U.S. is always innovating and doing things first, right? That is the nature of the country. The interesting thing is that with this Pluto return, which is in Capricorn, opposing the sun in Cancer, right? Opposing a lot of the Sibley chart planets, this tension is coming forward, which is like, what is the U.S. going to do as it's dying and being reborn? What is the new thing? And there is a new thing. That's why I'm like, you don't need to worry. We're not going back into like the dark ages. We're not getting ripped back. There's no way. There's actually no way. The thing we have to be more cautious of and aware of is the intensity of surveillance culture and authoritarian movements that can happen under an Aquarius 
Pluto. So that's a big, big thing to watch out for. And it could mean that, I mean, who knows? There's just infinite things that could happen. It could just mean that we stop using our phones because, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't really want to go down the handmaid's tale because I don't think it's useful. I think that most of our brains go there without me having to say anything. But what I will say is that it is important to just keep in mind that the lane that we want to take is the more enlightened version of a Pluto and Aquarius, which is that empowerment, because Pluto is all about power through transformation. The empowerment of the people, Aquarius, comes through celebrating each individual within a collective. I know it sounds very utopian and you might just be rolling your eyes at me, but if we work towards this as individuals first and a mass of people, the energy is there to literally support us. Pluto and Aquarius is like, I support the people. This is like you give Bernie Sanders, uh, maybe I should stop using Bernie Sanders as an example. I'm probably losing people with that. But it's like giving a very egalitarian, altruistic leader like steroids and giving them extra powers and being like, you can do this. You can help liberate people, right? And it's going to be, it's you know, you can see how indoctrinated we are with the Capricorn capitalism because Capricorn rules hierarchies. So even I just said, like, there's a leader that's going to lead us out of this. This is, I think, really different. I think this is a structure that's just so, so, so different than anything we've seen that's sprouted out of capitalism. I think this is much more of a horizontal display of uh, personality and charisma and leadership. It's a lot more about bringing all communities up and addressing every single community's needs, not just social justice warriors' needs, not just uh, people who are quote-unquote minorities like this is addressing everybody's needs and developing compassion for every single person as we are moving through a massive tunnel of death and rebirth with the u.s pluto return it's gonna be just such a big year and i will say that the fall just gets a lot more intense so this is a time right now i usually speak i'm speaking very big picture here and i usually speak more to the personal right i'm always like trying to help each and every one of you in your personal life. But this is just a bonus episode to be like the bigger things that are happening. Here they are, right? These are the bigger cycles. So instead of being like, oh my God, we're moving into the handmaid's tale. I don't live like that. And I don't call that in. I work towards something different, but just know that this is a dark time precisely because a Pluto return is always, always, always a deeply scary, freaky time. The, the underworld, like anyone who studied greek and roman myth you know what i'm talking about like the like the intensity of the underworld and how scary it is and how so many people went down into there and didn't come out and the u.s as a country as as an existential meta understanding of itself it's going through a massive death and rebirth like it's dying right now we're in the throes of the death that is uncomfortable for every single person right? It's not just like some people in the U.S. get to be happy. It's like the entire country is going to go through a massive mourning process. We already are. Technically, the Pluto return started in 2008, and we all know what happened right around then with the housing crisis, right? That was mild compared to what's happening right now. The most, like literally February 22nd, 2022 was the first exact hit. So we have a few more hits with the U.S. Pluto return, We're not out of the woods yet, and it finally leaves Capricorn for good. Hallelujah. Praise. I'm so excited. As an Aquarius, I'm just like, this is very, very exciting that we do not have to see Pluto and Capricorn for the rest of our lives after 2025. Like, we're done. So 
love it. <laughs> in fact, actually, end of 2024 is when we see that full ingress and it's and it's done. And I do think fundamentally we will be living in a world that is structurally different. There will be surprising, surprising shifts that happen on a collective level and on a political level. I just realized that the end of 2024 is the U.S. election, U.S. presidential election. It's very, very interesting, the timing of this. So yeah, of course, it has to do with the head of the country, of course. So yeah, this is the Pluto return. You can look it up online. You can just type in Pluto return 2022 or Pluto return United States. Someone on Twitter, I, I said this in one of my other episodes, but someone on Twitter who doesn't follow astrology was like, you know, civilizations only last like 248, 250 years. And so the U.S. is 248 years old, you know, check that out. And I would look at someone sent that to me. and was like, is this the Pluto return? And I was like, yeah, that person doesn't know that that's the Pluto return, but that's the Pluto return. <laughs> so here we are. Now, the same week that we have a new moon in Cancer, which is highlighting the U.S., right? Happens just a little bit before July 4th. So there is a major emphasis on something that the U.S. did in regards to the people because the moon rules the people in mundane astrology. So, of course, we're all processing. This is literally June 28th. We're all processing an overturning of a massive piece of legislation that was for women, right? Also rules cancer. Cancer's mothers, literally cancer rules mothers and people who are uh, womb bearers. So this new moon is highlighting it right now, and it's, it is the same day that Neptune turns retrograde. So this is really interesting. I just want to say a few things that may help people feel a little bit more optimistic about what's happening. This is why I think this is a blessing. I look at all these transits and I'm like, oh, this is this <laughs> this ain't over yet. I keep saying out loud to the people I live with, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. And that fat lady has not sung yet. Uh-uh. So like the celebrations from like the evangelical Christians and the celebrations from all the pro-life people, they are celebrating far too soon. With a Neptune station on this new moon that's highlighting this event, this is a very new world we're entering. And I don't think that it was thought through what the ramifications of this was going to be. I want to use a little example. This is what I'm going to end on. I'm going to use a little example of the city that I grew up in as an example for why this Neptune station retrograde, which is showing that things are not what they seem, is exemplifying, okay? I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. It is predominantly Mormon. Still probably, you know, I mean, it's definitely a lot more Mormon than most rest of the United States. It has become significantly less Mormon. Salt Lake City has become significantly less Mormon, and there's just a ton more Californians and New Yorkers that moved to Utah. People love the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I really could not have fathomed that as a kid who grew up there in the 90s and early 2000s, I just could not fathom that California girls would be sitting across from me at a restaurant in San Diego being like, I can't wait to visit Salt Lake City. <laughs> I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Now, the thing about Salt Lake City is that the Mormons, the LDS, Latter-day Saints, whatever they like to be called, you know, they are very structured. They're basically a mafia and a cult, but they have lots and lots of rules. They're vehemently misogynistic, racist, homophobic, transphobic. I mean, all these things. They're very good with money. They sound a little bit like Scientologists. And they, in the 90s, really ran, like they had a theocracy, essentially, in Salt Lake. I mean, they were so deeply embedded in the government. They still are. And they're very conservative. 
And they ran the city in a way where, you know, it was there's just a high degree of repression for everybody. Everybody had to act and try to be a certain way, very Stepford Wives. The thing that's so funny about Salt Lake is that Salt Lake did a, a, th a few things happen in Salt Lake and have grown and matured in Salt Lake. There is an extremely vibrant punk scene. SLC Punk, which you can go watch, is a movie that talks about punks in Salt Lake City. SLC Punk. It is one of the most, like, just voracious, intense lively like just electrifying punk scene i'm not sure to this day because i haven't been there in a while but i was there i was in the punk scene when i was living in salt lake for a brief minute and then you see ssl punk the other thing about salt lake is that it's heavily tattooed lots and lots of people within the city tattoo themselves to literally mark themselves as optically non-mormon so you have this huge population of people who are tattooed more than like other cities. I mean, Portland has a lot of tattoos too, but you're just like, wow, everybody in Salt Lake is tattooed literally to be like, and I don't even have to say anything. I'm not Mormon, you know, <laughs> like boom. It's like wearing a flag in your back pocket. You know, it's just like a signifier. The other thing too, is that the highest, uh, at least in the 2010s, so recent, we, Salt Lake City had the highest per capita LGBT couples with children in the nation. So queer people were raising their kids in Salt Lake at a higher concentration per capita than other cities, any other city in the United States. So the interesting thing about oppression and repression is that energy does not disappear. It only transforms. And when you pressurize something, you often force it to thrive. You force it to survive, to thrive. You really focus on something that you want to destroy. You strengthen it by its own survival of your attempt to destroy it. So the thing that's happening with Roe v. Wade is a blessing in disguise because it's basically the last clinging, dying breaths of the U.S. Pluto return because we're only in the first third of the dying process. So everything that happens right now with the economy, with Roe v. Wade, with any kind of sexual bodily autonomy, any of this stuff, we're in the first third of this process. And so this is all just the gunk that's coming to the surface that's going to be massively transformed, massively transformed. And it's not in a way, I think, with the Aquarius, because we're moving into Aquarius, which is a sign that really at the base of it wants freedom and innovation, we're not going to go back into the Dark Ages. We're going to go into a brave new world and it's going to be weird, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure there's going to be things that are like, yikes, okay, I have to adjust to that. Didn't know about that. But we're not going back into the Dark Ages. We're not going pre-1973. Whatever's getting brought up now, it's like anyone who's celebrating the, the idea that they get to control what other people do with their bodies in the first third of a Pluto return before Pluto moves into Aquarius, which is empowering for the people, empowering for things that are more socialized, more socialistic, they got something coming, you know? This ain't a time to celebrate. So I just want everyone to know, I'm just trying to give some timelines. I think the most, literally the most useful thing about any sort of astrological study is timing. It's just timing. Like, what's the larger cycle? What do we know is going to be developing, gestating, being born, or dying? Whatever is happening to it, but what's the cycle, right? This is the beginning. My advice for everyone as an individual is to continue to literally dedicate themselves to the sacred work of becoming a better human being. What do I mean by better human being? Being more conscious of your behavior, your actions, your words, your internal thoughts, 
and really trying to find a way that is heart-centered, that is for your community, that is honest, that is loving, that is generous, generous sometimes even in the face of your ego, that is open to other people being themselves, even if it's outside of your comfort zone. This is the work we have to do. The U.S., the country that I live in, the country that many of my listeners live in, is undergoing a massive existential death. I mean, this is really big. We feel these things in our bodies. These are not outside, these are not concepts. They are phenomenological, somatic experiences that we're having. So honor that. Honor that the country that you live in, if you are living in the United States, if you are from the United States or living in the United States, this country, as well as you, is in mourning. Deep, deep mourning. And that's okay. It is what it is. Feel the feelings. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The pain of it is a miracle. Because we're undergoing one of the most sacred and holy things that we can go through, which is a total and utter transformation of what this country was founded on, which is genocide, slavery, and a lot of fuckery. So we're transforming that. The energy does not go away. It transforms. And transformation is absolutely terrifying for everybody involved, even the people who want it. So we'll see what happens in 2025. I'm very, very excited. I am an optimist, you know? So I think that it's all going to not magically work out. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a ton of work. And there's going to be more shocking events happening between now, this recording, which is June 26th of 2022, (laughs) all the way until 2025. There's going to be events that, you know, make Roe v. Wade look like small potatoes, unfortunately. But... These things are falling apart. I think of the Pima Chodron book when things fall apart, but these things are falling apart and then we're going to build a mountain the way that Salt Lake City went from being a hyper-conservative Mormon-run theocracy to being a very largely queer city that's still run by Republicans. (laughs) But it's really not the Salt Lake City that it ever wanted to be. I'll tell you that. It's got a very, very vibrant counterculture. Very vibrant. Very beautiful counterculture in Salt Lake City. So, you know, love, I'm going to be really corny here at the end. Love is much more powerful than hate. We know that if we've watched Star Wars, we know it. Love overcomes hate. And that's for everybody involved here. There are no people that are singularly hateful or singularly full of love. There is, we are navigating that mimetically, which what I mean by that is we're navigating that in our bodies, outside our bodies, reflected in others, we don't get to escape any of the feelings, all of the feelings. And therefore we have to all transform together. We don't get to say one group of people is bad because they're evangelical Christians. I don't get to say that. I get to say, okay, how do I understand where they're coming from and how do we come together? This is the future orientation. This is not, oh, I identify this way and you don't. So whatever you got to deal with you because it's not just it's just not how it works this affects everybody everything affects everybody so here we are this is the cycle of this moment in time i hope you enjoyed this this was off the cuff for me and i'm recording this late at night (laughs) before i take a plane to new york so that's usually what's happening but i just felt a lot of feelings about roe v wade and i took a good long look at the astrology around it and was like wow this thing was going to get overturned for sure, looking at the event chart of it in 1973. And also, good news, the chart that we're having right now is like, yeah, 
Things are super confusing. No one's going to be clear about it for a minute. However, we're heading towards a place of expansion and power for the people post-capitalism. What does it look like? We're going to find out. All right, everybody. Take care. You can find me at my link tree, which is in the show notes. You can reach out if you want to just talk or book a session. I do astrological readings, astrological coaching. I love to connect with everybody, so reach out. Don't be shy. Take care out there. Drink lots of water. Eat some nourishing food and rest. 